Shalom and welcome to the Jewish mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. Many view life as being made up from positive or negative events. However, in truth, life is made up of positive or negative energies. While there are sweet and bitter events, it is our energy in which we receive it and react to it that will create whether it is a positive or a negative event. The famous Torah event that exemplifies this concept is the story of Joseph. The story doesn't read as just a negative journey with a positive outcome. Rather, the story is all about Joseph's positive energy manifesting itself in every environment he is in bringing blessing, warmth, and light to all those who encounter him during his journey. Thus, the issue that we are here to discuss today is an issue that defines the difference between those who embrace democracy's opportunity to pursue happiness and between those who are still using the gift of democracy to just run away from past persecution. I want to spend a moment and emphasize the difference between the two paradigms of democracy. Successful people aren't running away from a negative past. Now, I didn't say rich people aren't running away from a negative past. I said that successful people aren't running away from a negative past. For by definition, success isn't running from, but existing within. Allow me to explain this. Whether one is in a negative experience or whether one is running away from a negative experience, he is living within the grip of a negative experience. And his present situation is being defined for him by a negative experience. Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch relates how as a child in Cheder, which is the Torah elementary school, his teacher told him that it is better to be outside looking into the classroom than it is to be in the classroom looking outside. And so it is with our discussion. Better to be outside of success, looking into it, being absorbed with success and living with the interest of success than living with the success within the success, always looking out the window, being obsessed and living in anxieties of poverty and need. Thus, the gift of democracy isn't about finding happiness as much as it is to be able to stop running from purgatory and to start pursuing happiness. In this lecture, we will be exploring how to stop running from negativity, how to become immune to negativity, and how to achieve happiness. We will first discuss the mystical teachings of what Adam and Eve brought to the world through eating from the tree of knowledge and how to get beyond what Jewish mysticism refers to as the bite of the serpent, referring to the serpent's persuasion upon Eve. When God forbid Adam and Eve from the fruit of, of the tree of knowledge, God warns Adam, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For on the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Yet Adam didn't die on that day. 
on the day that he ate from the forbidden fruit and lived for another 930 years. Our, our sages explain this concept based upon the verse, and I quote from Psalms, For a thousand years are in your eyes like a day, and therefore Adam's dying within a thousand years of when he ate from the forbidden fruit is a fulfillment of God's warning that on the day that Adam would eat from the fruit, forbidden fruit, he would surely die. Now this explanation is focused on God saying that on the day that Adam would eat, he would die. However, the more global explanation is that just as the celestial beings such as the sun, which exist in person and not just in its species, so too man was meant to live eternally in person. It is only because Adam ate from the forbidden food, fruit that man individually experience death to live internally, eternally only as a species. What is the specific connection between eating from the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge and the introduction of death into the human race? Additionally, after eating from the tree of knowledge and bringing upon himself death, the verse says, and I quote the verse, Now the Lord God said, and now, lest he stretch forth his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And therefore God goes on and says, And he drove the man out and he stationed from the east of the garden of Eden the cherubim and the blade of the revolving sword to guard the way to the tree of life. So, God tells Adam that the reason not to eat from the tree of knowledge is for... The day that that means for me is because the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And then God is kicking Adam out of the Garden of Eden because if Adam will eat from the tree of life, Adam won't die. But wasn't that the original plan for Adam not to die? The verse in Isaiah states, He has concealed death forever, and the Lord God shall wipe the tears off every face. Meaning, that when Mashiach, which is Hebrew for Messiah, will come, we will once again return to the way it was before Adam ate from the tree of knowledge, and death will exist no more. So while God placed guardians at the gateway to the Garden of Eden to avoid, quote, lest he stretch forth his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, the goal of the human journey is to enter into an error in which, once again, he has concealed death. The focus in our lecture today is to understand how to get from the tree of knowledge's death sentence to the tree of life's reestatement of eternal life, as this manifests itself in the literal sense of the word and as it manifests itself in our individual present journey of taking life to the next level. In the teachings of Judaism, evil is not a creation of mankind, but of God. However, evil as God created it was to be, has a purpose, a positive purpose. And it was mankind, starting with Adam's eating from the forbidden fruit, that turned evil's existence into an evil experience. In Kabbalah, evil is referred to as klipa, which means husk. 
The thought process behind this name is that the definition of being holy is to be transparent to the godliness within you. Every creation has a godly spark within it. And whether the creation is holy, kosher, neutral, or impure, all depends upon the ratio of transparency versus opaqueness of the creation to its godly spark. However, God didn't create all creations transparent. As a matter of fact, when the verse states that, and this is one of the opening verses in Genesis, now the earth was astonishingly empty, chaos and darkness was on the face of the deep. Kabbalah explains it as astonishingly empty, chaos and darkness to be the three husks of impurity. This was created before man was created. However, the husks that God created were for the positive purpose of as a husk that protects its fruit from insects, etc. So too, our sages teach us that the two purposes for the thorns of a rose bush is in order A, to protect the rose, and B, so that when the wind blows, causing the thorns to scratch the rose, the rose's beautiful fragrance will be released into the universe. Thus, the evil that God created was a creature, a creature of goodness with a potential for actual evil. This all changed, however, when the husk was used in sin and rebellion against God's will, rather than in protection of the rose and the fruit. At that point, potential evil has become actual evil. Let us now understand the process of Adam's and Eve's sin. What changed through Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit is that now the husk was no more outside but inside. The human has now internalized evil within him, causing confusion between the boundaries of the husk and the spark. From the moment that Adam ate from the forbidden fruit, there is no goodness that has no evil within it, and there is no evil that has no goodness within it. That's a quote from our sages. Take, for example, the very story of how Adam and Eve ended up eating from the tree of knowledge. A serpent from the outside of the human being came to Eve to entice her. Adam and Eve on their own had no inclination to sin, for they had within them no evil. Now let's look at the next story of sin in the history of mankind, which is Cain killing Abel, which begins with Cain saying to himself, from within himself. Let us see how this applies to any sin that a person commits. According to Kabbalah, the present balance of the universe is that there are two relationships that exist between God and creation. The face-to-face -face relationship and the back-to-back -back relationship. In the face-to-face -face relationship, God and the person is sharing an intimate relationship in which internal infinite essence is being shared. From such a relationship, there is no potential for evil. In the back-to-back -back relationship, there is no true intimacy and there is only an external finite expression being shared in which the potential of evil and betrayal exists. Thus, God created the husks through a back-to-back -back relationship, which defines their potential for evil and the limitations of their existence. Now, 
Let us see what happens when a person commits a sin, according to Jewish mysticism. When a Jew, a creature of the face-to-face -face relationship, who embodies God's internal infinite essence, when this Jew commits a sin, now a sin is a creation of the back-to-back -back relationship, which embodies only the external finite expression of God. So when a Jew commits a sin, there is now a breach between the boundaries of existence. And now, evil is feeding off an eternalism. Kabbalah explains this concept with a metaphor of a, a metaphor within the universe. There is a pipe system through which the, infin the internal infinite essence flows, feeding only that which is holy and pure. When a person who receives from this pipe system of internal infinite essence commits a sin, he has made a hole in the pipe, and now the husk is receiving from the internal infinite essence. Additionally, the human has now internalized within himself the, hus ex the husk's existence of actual evil. The outcome of all this is that people can no more live forever. For if mankind remains eternal, so does the evil now within him become eternal. The tree of knowledge is a tree in the Garden of Eden, a holy place that tolerates no actual evil. However, the tree of knowledge is the tree that bears fruit with potential evil. Once Adam and Eve actualize this potential evil and internalize this actual evil within them, they, Adam and Eve, needed to be removed from the Garden of Eden, lest they now eat from the Tree of Life. And with that, they will eternalize the actual evil now within them. Thus God placed the cherubim and the blade of the revolving sword to guard the way to the Tree of Life. However, Isaiah has told us that when Mashiach comes, it will be a time in which he has concealed death forever and the Lord God shall wipe the tears off every face. What this means is, for the, I'm sorry, what this means is that when Mashiach comes, we will eat from the tree of life and we will live forever. The reason for this is another verse from Zechariah. That says, and it shall come to pass on that day when Mashiach comes, and the spirit of contamination I will remove from the earth. Once the spirit of contamination, the husk has been removed from mankind, mankind can once again live forever. Let us examine this a bit more closely. The reason why mankind was to live forever was because mankind was a creature of the face-to-face -face relationship with God and was living from the internal infinite essence. And mankind was placed in the Garden of Eden, environment of the internal infinite essence. However, the fact remains that even in that perfect environment, there existed the potential of evil. And even within the pure Adam and Eve, there existed the uh, potential to actualize the evil, and Adam and Eve did so. Kabbalistically speaking, this means that the internal infinite essence is but a layer of divine light, 
which is engaged with and susceptible to evil. That's why even though there was no actual evil, there was the potential evil within Adam and Eve, and there was the potential evil within the tree of knowledge. Thus, we now understand that the journey from tree of knowledge to the tree of life is the journey from potential evil to a non-potential evil. There shouldn't even be that potential evil. The journey from the Garden of Eden to the time to come of Mashiach is the journey from the divine light to the divine essence. And the journey from sin to, sh to teshuva, which means return, repentance, is the journey from the universe's perfection to God's perfection. What remains for us to understand is what this journey is and how to take this journey. So what is potential evil? Potential evil is simply translated as the lack of a total disgust with evil. Let me say that again. Let's make this real practical. Potential evil is simply translated as the lack of a total disgust with evil. Take, for example, a racist joke. There is he who would never make a racist joke, but would laugh at one. There is he who would never even laugh at a racist joke, but would not rise up to silence it. Then there is one who, out of total disgust with racism, will rise up to stop such a joke from ever being made in his presence at all. The latter person will deeply plant within his children this disgust and racism, and his children as well, due to their father's deep and utter disgust with the evil of racism, will never make such a joke, tolerate such a joke, or remain silent in the presence of a racist joke. To obliterate even the potential of evil, one must experience an utter disgust with evil. The saying that one must fight fire with fire has its source within the Talmud. The Talmud says, From the very forest itself comes the handle of the axe that fells it. Thus, while disgust is from the very forest of potential evil itself, it is from this disgust with evil that the potential of evil will be obliterated. I want to make clear that I am speaking presently only of the spiritual, mental, and emotional war within ourselves. This is not a call to bear arms against the evil out there, but a call for arms against the evil within us. Practically speaking, we must set aside time periodically to remember our past pain, shame, and destruction of evil and not just to remember it but to allow ourselves to palatably taste its bitter taste and to be utterly repulsed by it this is the from the very forest itself comes the handle of the axe that fells it that will obliterate within ourselves even our potential for evil now factually speaking this concentration, meditation, and remembrance of our past pain, shame, and destruction of our sins cannot be done in a time that we are engaged with actual evil or with an obsession for evil. 
Rather, this can only be done in times of prayer when we are experiencing a sensitivity for God, God's purity, and God's holiness. When we are engaged in thinking, speaking, or doing evil, this robs us of being able to remember the shame, pain, and destruction of evil. We are under the influence of evil's drunkenness. At set times when we are in an experience of prayer, we must abstain from the pleasure of spiritual bliss and of its temptation of denying the potential evil within us. Rather, in that beautiful moment, we must be humble enough to serve God by engaging with identifying the repulsiveness of the potential evil within us in order to obliterate its very existence from in us. We must use the spiritual moment to become disgusted and repulsed with the very existence of any potential within us. I know this doesn't sound politically correct. However, in our times, has not political correctness become one of the most effective axes of evil? Even, through, even though discuss is the necessary tool to obliterate evil and to bring Mashiach, nevertheless, it is the lower dimension of the tool. Let us then embrace the higher dimension of the journey from the tree of knowledge to the tree of life. There is an ancient Chinese proverb that says, No light is complete without its shadow. Yes, Disgust with evil is the necessary shadow of a great light. However, what is the great light? The great light is love, and its shadow is disgust. Disgust with evil is the shadow of a love for goodness. One can simply not fully love goodness if one is not willing to embrace a total disgust with evil. So too, one cannot fully love decency without embracing total disgust with perversion. A smirk from the good or the neutral is sometimes all the support that evil needs in order to move on and conquer its quest. The world has witnessed and participated in how simple silence became the axis of evil that empowered the worst evil killing machine of human history to do its horrific work. And we continue to witness and participate in this empowerment of tolerance and silence today. These are extremely harsh, but nevertheless, true words. The truth remains that it takes a lot of courage to get up and wage a war against the evils of our time. And long before we do that, we must first be bursting at the seams with conviction within ourselves. This conviction to stand up and fight against evil within our circles and through our social media, every opportunity that we have, is very challenging and demands that within us there exists a non-containable disgust and repulsiveness against evil. However, no disgust and repulsiveness against something in itself can be true. Living life is defining ourselves for who we are and not for whom we are not. Who we are not is the outcome of understanding and living with total conviction to the boundaries of, and definition of who we are. Yes, often in the world of darkness we first encounter who we definitely are not before we can pal palatably feel who we are. 
Thus, our journey begins with embracing the past shame, pain, and destruction of who we definitely are not. We must set specific spiritual moments to feel this shame, pain, and destruction so that we can have an utter disgust to it, to truly get sick and tired with being just sick and tired of living in the grip of evil and to burst forth with conviction to change. However, likewise, we ultimately must set aside time of not just acting decent, pure, and holy, but to truly love our decent, pure, compassionate, good, and holy God. Thus, our journey from the tree of knowledge to the tree of life embraces the journey from disgust with evil to a love for God, goodness, and compassion. In closing, this lecture is about taking life to the next level. The consistent struggle of the rat race we are stuck in to pay our monthly bills and to provide for ourselves and our children truly reduces us to merely existing rather than truly living. However, taking life to the next level cannot happen through this numbed life of merely existing. I read this amazing article of how J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, went from being a single mom waitress struggling to provide for her only child to becoming one of the wealthiest women in England. It began only through her embracing the total pain and shame of not being able to buy her only child a holiday gift. That was what made the change in J.K. Rowling's life. When you and I are unwilling to feel the handle of the axe that fells it because of the pain, the shame, and the negativity of our present life of merely existing, then we are not able to truly feel our omnip omnipotent, tangible love to, for truly living life. Let me say that again. When you and I are unable to feel the disgust because of the pain, the shame, and the negativity of our present life of merely existing, then we are not able to truly feel our omnipotent, tangible love for truly living life. So practically speaking, we must stop protecting ourselves from feeling the pain of being less than whom we can be and to truly nurture disgust and contempt with living as less than whom we really are. Once this disgust chops away a clearing in our forest, then we set time to truly concentrate, meditate, visualize, and palatably taste our omnipotent love for living life. From there, from this love for living life, the journey to our personal tree of life is but a clear, brief, few steps. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers divine, timeless solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism. <laughs>